Hello, I'm Jason Soto. And I'm Lisa Leahy. And we're the hosts of the mini-cast Between the Scares, a podcast that takes a look at all the films Bloomhouse Productions have produced. You may not recognize the name, but Bloomhouse has produced a lot of your favorite horror films, including Paranormal Activity, Insidious, The Purge, and non-horror films like Griffin and Phoenix and The Fever. Yes, those two, but the horror ones also include Lords of Salem, Oculus, Ouija, yeah, but there are also stupid ones like the Tooth Fairy and the Darwin Awards. All right, all right. So Jason Bloom did some non-horror films, and we'll be covering those too, for better or for worse. Ooh, ooh, like the Gem and the Holograms live-action movie from a few years ago. He did that. Uh huh. Uh, yeah, I guess. Anyway, you can find episodes of Between the Scares at rabbitholepodcasts.com or anywhere else you find your podcasts. So come follow us and we'll see you Between the Scares. This was no fruit of such worlds and suns has shine on the telescopes and photographic plates of our observatories. This was no breath from the skies whose motions and dimensions our astronomers measure or deem too vast to measure. It was just a color out of space, a frightful messenger from unformed realms of infinity beyond all nature as we know it, from realms whose mere existence stuns the brain and numbs us with the black extra-cosmic gulfs it throws open before our frenzied eyes. Color Out of Space, 1927 and welcome to With Strange Eons, a podcast taking a look at visual Lovecraft adaptations and comparing them to the original story. So this can include anything visual, movies, TV shows, video games, board games, whatever, as long as there's some sort of artistic rendition of a work by H.P. Lovecraft. I'm your host, Bear, and today I'll be covering 2019's Color Out of Space, and I'm joined by the producer and host of several rabbit hole podcasts, Jason Soto. Hi, Jason. Hey, what's up? How are you doing? Oh, wonderful. So, you haven't read Color Out of Space, right? No, actually I have not. I've not read the uh, the story uh, that this is going to be based on. Okay, so do, did you go into this like knowing the plot of Color Out of Space? I knew nothing outside of a trailer that I watched when the movie came out back in 2019. And I just knew there was a color and it was out of space. Wow, really? That's I don't know how you reached that conclusion. <laughs> I just I just came up with that on my own. I don't know if anyone else came to that conclusion. Maybe I'm super smart. I don't know. You should like talk about movies professionally or something. I should. I should start a movie podcast. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> without getting too into it, because we'll talk more about it later, what do you think of the movie, like just in general? A general sense of the movie? Um, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, I do have problems, which we'll get into, but overall... I enjoyed it, and I would recommend it to horror fans. Yeah, I had no problems with it, but I know nothing about movies, so it tends to be more <laughs> of a, did I find this fun to watch? Yeah, okay. okay, it was a good movie. Okay. Um. 
So I kind of mentioned this to you, but I was really happy with like the beginning of the movie because it starts with that like opening monologue from the original short story. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you caught this too, but at the end, that end monologue he uses is also from kind of the end of Color Out of Space. Okay. Um, so it so bookends. Think... The, so the, 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 they use the original story as the bookends in the beginning and the end. But that's about that's about it. Well, it, it matches up pretty well. Um, the original Color Out of Space, <clears> like with a U, uh, is how the color in that one's spelled because Howard loved the British, ah. is told by this narrator who's getting this whole story from like a family friend or neighbor of the Gardner family that was affected. So this movie follows more of like the hydrologist ward, but then also it follows Lavinia, who's this daughter of the family who didn't even exist in the short story. The short story, it was three sons. Okay. Okay. Um, so it, it does stray a little bit, but I feel like in spirit, the kind of outside narrator still is there. Okay. Um, yeah, see, I, yeah, I didn't know that. And I, um, I felt, I felt it was kind of natural to have, uh, uh, a daughter and then two sons. So then changing up the gender of one of them is interesting. And then, uh, adding in the, uh, um, what's his name? Ward. Um, yeah. To be the narrator, uh, was also interesting. Now the, the profession that he does I don't know a lot about science, so I don't know if that's an actual pos- uh, like is. a like a thing that someone does. Um, like he, I guess he tests the waters. Yeah. So in the original short story, the narrator um, actually is showing up way after the Gardner family has already died. He shows up after uh, the Colorado space has happened and it's all over. Oh. Um, so he's, I mean, he's literally sitting in this guy's kitchen getting the story. And he's so freaked out by it, he just leaves. But he was originally there to take a survey of the land to make a dam. So then they made Ward this hydrologist who's testing the water. And, like, spoilers for the end, which we'll talk about more. But, you know, the movie ends with him standing on top of the dam. Ah. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Lavinia, <laughs> I remember... Lavinia. You watched the movie mm-hmm. and you were texting about it because I watched it first. Yeah, and you were like, "That was really good." What's with her name? Yeah, <laughs> I did because everyone else in the movie had normal names. You had you had Benny, you had a Jack. Um, I already forgot what the father's name was, but Nathan. Uh, Nathan, yeah, like everyone had normal like names, and then Lavinia is like, "The fuck happened?" Well, <laughs> in in the short story, it's like not the case at all because the names are all like really biblical even for the 1920s so like the neighbor who he's getting the stories from is named like omni and then Hmm. the um one of the son's name is like thaddeus and the dad's name is like nahum so it it was interesting to me because when you know that lavinia was the only kind of strange name (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when originally they were all a little bit wonky okay no i guess that's fair all right um but when you said the you know lavinia what's with her name i i know i think i started to go into like my spiel about like oh well actually it's a reference and i had to stop myself so i could talk about it here okay and have you be more surprised but so you already know some of this but lavinia um i think is a reference to do much horror because there is you have lavinia waitley in that one um and you haven't read Dunwich either, right? I've not read it. Uh, I won't go into them here, but I've played a 
board game card game version where you're in Dunwich. I'll just leave it at that, I guess. That doesn't shock me that you've played a board game but not have read the book. <laughs> <laughs> I do that often. <laughs> but Lavinia in that story is like super parallel to this one. Um, like they're, I think, supposed to kind of be the same character because okay. in that one, she's the daughter of this wizard and she uses the Necronomicon to summon Yogg-Sasoth, who's like who Cthulhu comes from. And oh. kind of interestingly enough, in that short story, she does this by standing in a circle of stones which Lavinia does at the very beginning of this movie. And then, but that Dunwich Lavinia gives birth to Wilbur Waitley and the, you know, Dunwich Horror himself. So there's this kind of obvious connection, I think, to existing Lovecraft mythos where Gardner uses the Necronomicon to kind of protect herself um, through it. You know, she does the whole cutting her arms and stuff ritual which you text me about and you were like ah <laughs> yeah yeah i don't I, I don't i don't do good with like cutting in the flesh stuff i'm not a fan of that <laughs> yeah um no i don't blame you um but it did kind of work because if you think about that scene where she was where her mom was standing over her in the attic all the mom really did was like drool on her a bunch you know oh that's yeah. a good point that's a good point and she was <clears throat> the last but i i think that um it was probably because there was a planned Dunwich Horror-inspired sequel because this was supposed to be a trilogy of movies. Oh, yeah. I don't think we're ever going to get that because, you know, the director was a piece of shit. <laughs> um, that sucks. I hate when that happens. I hate no, when they have, was... like, a, a series of good ideas and then somebody has to ruin it by being a terrible, terrible human being. Well, and then, like, I kind of mentioned this to you and I was like, Hey, I'm going to talk about Shakespeare, but you got to just roll with me on it. I promise it's relevant. <laughs> but, um, so Dunwich Lavinia is named after, uh, mm. like Shakespeare's Titus Andronicus's Lavinia who was killed by her father. Mm. And I think it's kind of interesting that this Lavinia ended up like that. A lot of the tension in the movie was between Lavinia and Nathan. So yes. it's like you had that father, daughter, teenage kid, kind of aggression but then there was also that extreme that was brought on by the influence of the color because i think you can like agree with me but lavinia is this weird kind of anachronistic figure in the movie like yeah like she seemed older yeah like, i still don't really know what age she was supposed to be because i kept thinking like 18 19 <sighs> but i think she was supposed to be like mid-20s i don't well i mean it so there's a part where the dad, played by by Nicolas Cage, by mind you, uh, says, "Hey, we got to go do this thing that we're gonna dive into, but we're gonna go do this thing." So the son, uh, Benny, you're in charge. Now that could be a sexism thing, I guess. Like you know, you're the man of the house. But I, I took it at first to mean like he's the oldest, because normally they always pick the oldest kid to babysit the other two kids. Yeah. But it could be a sexism thing where it's like, well, because you're the man, you're the older man. Or old, you know, old this man compared to the little boy, you know, we're gonna put you in charge, even though you're younger. So it it, it could be either way. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, and also too, we don't know how old Ward is, and they two, them two, had like a thing for each other. That's why I don't think they were eighteen, nineteen, because he has like a Miskatonic University, University. shirt on, yeah, and he's right. if he's like an established hydrologist, I guess he could have been like a grad student, out and about, but <clears> um. I went into this movie knowing nothing except Nick Cage is in it. So it <laughs> opened to Lavinia doing this ritual. And I was like, oh, they're going to set it like in the past. Like, is this going to be like maybe not the 1920s, like earlier than that? Um, 
and then it and then out comes Ward Phillips from the woods, and he's, <laughs> you know, dressed in like jeans and a t-shirt. And I was like, oh, what a cell phone with a cell phone. And because, you know, they show Lavinia in this like cloak with this horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the woods, practicing like magic and doing spells and stuff. Uh, and then, yeah, then then in walks in 21st century wonder boy. Well, and I think it's kind of cool because there's like a running theme in a lot of Lovecraft stuff. Like uh, you see it in like Herbert West Reanimator, you see it in From Beyond, but this idea of like modernity bringing detriments. So Lavinia, I think, is in a way kind of saved by her reliance on this kind of archaic older magic. Mm -hmm. Um, So like you see like the mentions of the alpacas being like the animal of the future and all the electronics short out. Then then you have Lavinia, who her response isn't to go to a phone. Her response is to go to her room and use the Necronomicon, of all things, to, <laughs> to protect herself. Yeah. <laughs> but even at the end of the movie, it's kind of unclear whether she lives or dies. But I think it is fair to say, like, her departure is far kinder than the whole rest of the Gardner family. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> using that as a segue, what do you think about the death? Uh, but just in all, general, all you of can them? just say a general like. <laughs> um, I don't know who had the worst one. Um, Teresa and Jack. Yeah. Because, because I yeah. I said, oh, I know what I'm in for. I've read this short story so many times. Like, like I'm sure there's going to be surprises, but they're probably gonna. And then they had the whole Jack Teresa melding combination and i had to pause the movie for a second and go like what the fuck (laughs) i had to like rewind it and be like i just see that right but that would that freaked me out when that happened no i i can i can kind of see yeah me i wasn't expecting it not not at all i didn't expect any body merging any body horror in this at all honestly um, I thought the worst was going to be when the mom cut her fingers off and I thought that was going to be it. But then, no, we get this literal like thing from like the friggin, you know, David Cronenberg's fly. Like this thing just merges and it's like, oh, OK, that's different. All right. Yeah, I, I did kind of go into it expecting some body horror because, again, I've read the short story. So you get uh, okay. um, a lot of the them still kind of lined up like the deaths in the movie because like in the short story, Mrs. Gardner and the son Thaddeus, who I think is supposed to be Jack, just because um, in the short story, they both go mad and they're locked in different rooms of the attic. And then mm-hmm. Mrs. Gardner eventually, because she isn't given a name since it's Lovecraft in the 20s, so he just calls her Mrs. Gardner, but everyone else gets a first name. But she eventually like loses her ability to speak. She's crawling on all fours. And she's so mutated that like the neighbor has just mercy kills her. um and then the son ends up just dying in the attic and he's what he's the first one to actually die in the whole family and he's buried in the yard so then you have i think reasonably you could say that jack quote unquote dies first because he kind of just gets absorbed into Teresa. yeah yeah this is yeah this is true and then the whole you know crawling on all fours thing and and they made a point in the movie of her losing her ability to speak yeah um and then the the second son who dies, um, he actually dies while getting water from the well, which, you know, Benny didn't die by getting water. He no. died because he went in because he heard the dog. Yeah. Which I was like, I get it because he was under the influence of the color. But the whole time he was crawling into the well, I was like, dude, 
Leave the well, dog, man. Well, even Lavinia was saying that. She's like, like yeah. just, just leave him. It's still, he's just a dog. Come on, we gotta go. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, funnily enough, and I kind of saw this as a connection to the short story again, is that um, the last son, no one knows fully what happened to him. And it's kind of implied <clears throat> that he dies in the well, but it's never really confirmed because all uh, Nahum in the short story says is like, oh, he lives in the well now. And I, Lavinia, you never really get that confirmation of what on earth happens to her because she kind of just gets swept up in the cyclone <laughs> and is gone. It's like, yeah, oh, basically. bye. <laughs> um, and then right, and then Nahum in the short story, like right at the end, they find him all like mad and mutated and he's just kind of losing it. And he's saying his family's still kind of, he's like, oh, they're just living in the well. But he has this moment of lucidity, like right before he dies, where he's like, it's the color. And then I think in the movie, you know, you see Nathan have these kind of moments of maybe not full lucidity, but where he's like, kind of gets awareness for a split second before he finally just goes over. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I Yeah, the last 20 minutes really friggin' lost me. <laughs> yeah, okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that. What did you think of the actual color, though? You know, the color. Oh, the actual, the, the color in and of itself. Um, I thought it was pretty. Yeah, I, you I, know I love pink. <laughs> I can I can totally see why everyone kind of went crazy um, over it, because it was actually a very nice color. Um, yeah, it, it was a very pretty color. I thought it was a little bit fun, you know. And I, I know I mentioned this to you, but magenta isn't actually a color. So I think that was a really neat way of showing it. Um, cause magenta, there's no like magenta corresponding wavelength. Like there's no magenta on the visible color spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, so I like the kind of effect of the magenta fog and then they had that whistling noise and I kept thinking my tinnitus was acting up. So I, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> um, but then huh. there's also like that visual yuckiness. Like the mom and son getting kind of melded together. Yeah. The, the inside of the produce that was all nasty, which happens oh. in the sh short story too. And then you had that, the livestock scene where it cuts to the livestock and you can't even tell what you're looking at because they're just no. all this pile of the. Just mangled alpacas. But it is really pretty. Like the flowers that were growing, like the little. Yeah, the trees and flowers. the flowers and stuff. Yeah, yeah it was really nice. And, and the produce looks really pretty and it has yeah. that like, nice little pink fog. It's kind of cute. That but then did. it all just falls apart and it almost gets like there's so much pink that it's overwhelming. Like it's like the family swimming in this Pepto Bismol. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> this movie is sponsored by Pepto Bismol. It'd be really funny if it was. <laughs> Special thanks to Pepto Bismol at the end of the credits. Uh, can we get sponsored by Pepto Bismol? I I will work on it. Okay, I will, thanks. I will email them this episode, and then we'll see what happens. Thank you, Mr. Producer. You're um, welcome. But there's also, you know, the responses of the family themselves that I think was cool with the color, because in the short story, you only get these kind of glimpse for, that the neighbor's seeing, because mm -hmm. he's seeing it kind of happen slowly over a few months but we get to see it all happen so nathan goes from this kind of like quiet kind of dweeb dad and then yeah. he gets so aggressive like he pulls lavinia up the stairs and um like Teresa gets all forceful uh before you know she gets turned into the yeah 
Um, and then there's Jack and he's talking to like the entity or color or whatever it actually is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really liked it because, you know, you do get to see it all go down and it's like, oh, this makes sense why this family is losing their minds. Uh, I, I agree. Now, I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead. I just have a question. Um, is Ezra in the story? Ezra is not. Played by Tommy Chong. So my thing, (laughs) I think Ezra uh, and Ward are a combination of, um, like, I think Ezra is supposed to be who Ami was in the original, Mm. where he's this kind of neighbor who is seeing this from a distance. Okay. But in the short story, Ami wasn't affected. Like, he didn't, he was affected in an emotional sense, because that's traumatizing as hell. But he wasn't, you know, he didn't get mutated or morphed um like Ezra did so I think Ezra and Ward kind of take the place of Ami because Ward is this outside observer and yeah he's not a neighbor but he's the one who's witnessing this all go down you know there's no because in the short story you're going through you have your surveyor narrator who's talking to Ami who was the neighbor who witnessed this going down but in this it's just the family, and then you have Ward as the kind of stand-in for the audience who is witnessing this directly like how Ami did. So they just cut out a middleman. But no, Ezra, Lovecraft probably wasn't the biggest fan of drug addicts compared to <laughs> his thing. And not saying Ezra was, because all he did was, you know, smoke some weed. But yeah, yeah. I feel like Lovecraft probably would have found some sort of weird thing. He would have been like, you know who smokes weed? immigrants yeah 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 yeah. well i mean you know you you get tommy chong you gotta you gotta have a you gotta have a character that smokes weed so no i think he was perfect (laughs) he was a great he's an addition like that i think worked really really well yeah i I agree there's no you know like he wasn't in the original story in any way but i think his addition to the movie was great okay um but getting kind of to the ending uh I asked you like, oh, what'd you think of the ending? And you were like, that was a lot. Yes. Um, And I mentioned, I said, well, did you catch up on the time perception stuff, really? And you were like, no. <laughs> no. no, not really. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't. I felt, I felt stupid because I felt like I should have because I'm all about time travel. No, and, I know. That's why I thought you really would, I, but it's okay. Like, the only thing that I caught, really, and it was kind of more throughout the whole movie, was that they kept, like, losing time. Like, like Lavinia was, like, doing dishes or something, and then, like, she realized that she's been doing dishes for hours. and But, like, to her, it was, like, seconds. But then suddenly she realized she's been doing it for hours, that she's just been standing at the sink. And then there's another scene where uh, Benny, the the boy, older or younger, that's up for debate. But um, I think he's older. Um, he said he swore he put the alpacas away, but then they're out still wandering around the yard. Uh, having a movie full of alpacas was just amazing, by the way. I, I want I want more horror movies to have alpacas <laughs> in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, like living near someone he farms as a kid, it honestly kind of annoyed me because all I could think was like, man, if they lived near a road and those alpacas got out, that'd be such a pain. <laughs> because where I go to school at, and you've heard me complain about this, we get cows in the road. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, yes. it, and it's like, I'm not going to hit a cow. 
because right. a cow could destroy my car if it really wanted to. <laughs> right. But you have to just sit there and you have to like call the non-emergency line or if you know the farmer, you have to call them and be like, hey, can you come get your cow out of the field? Like, <laughs> get... So, yeah, <laughs> but um, so, yeah, there's like Lavinia and Benny outright saying like time's weird. Benny at one point is like we were sitting outside for six hours and we thought it'd just been minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then I caught also, all that. Yeah, but then also Ezra, if you remember when they meet him, he had those recordings of the color and he's like, listen, and it's just static. Yeah. But he says it like he'd been recording it for years. Yeah. So at first when he says it, I thought, like, does he know something about because sometimes when the characters would talk about the color, they'd say it like it had been there for years and years when it had really been like two days. Yeah. But then I was like, oh, I think this is part of this kind of time distortion. Like, and I think that's why the ending feels so chaotic because you have like when Nathan's saying his family's all right in the living room with him, we know they used to be. And what I think is happening is the colors um, kind of changing his perception. So he's still thinking that his family's all right there with him because he's seeing like past, present, and future because this entity isn't from our world and kind of a theme in a lot of Lovecraftian works is this idea that entities not of our world don't experience time and they don't experience matter in the same way that we do. Um, Like Yogg-Sassoth, for example, probably doesn't experience time in the same way as humans. He sees all past, present, future at the same time. Hmm. So I think the color is in a similar vein where it's everything always happening at once um so when he says you know when he goes up to the attic where Teresa is right when she's about to eat Lavinia and he kills her and she says like she's not herself anymore I read it less of like a she's not who she used to be thing and more of a this isn't my wife because my wife is downstairs kind of deal right 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 and then you also have um like him physically aging you know he gets that rash all up and down his arms and he looks old and decrepit and i think part of that they kind of hint at this idea that he's scared to be like his dad mm-hmm. and that these this aggression is like a similar thing to his dad so i think it's supposed to show that the color is distorting it so heavily that he's becoming this thing he never wanted to be but also just you have that physical aging of himself and you see it too with ezra because when they go when ward and the uh, cop are like oh man we need to go get him out he's mummified because he's so old in age. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. He was, like, and really then, old. Yeah, and the tape decks, like, the playback, if you remember, it was, like, fluctuating speed, and they could actually make out the sounds of it, which I think shows how much influence the color was having, because I'm guessing it was kind of a you-can't-hear-this-unless-you're-under-its-influence type of deal. Yeah. But the playback, I think, one, just my personal little pet theory, like, when you when a tape deck is old, it messes up the playback speed of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think also if they're stuck in this kind of time loop distortion, then that playback is also matching its flow with the speed and movement of time. So you know, like does that all track? <laughs> no, I you're yeah definitely tape stock definitely does like deteriorate the older it gets, um, especially if it's just out in the open. So. It, it will be all staticky and fuzzy and whatnot um, yeah, when you try it, to play it back. It seems like this takes place <clears throat> over such a long period of time when we know this is just like a, couple a few days. days. Yeah, because yeah. it's the meteor lands, the news people come out, and there's that you know horribly awkward interview with him <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I loved. It was great. 
I, I think Nick Cage is a great actor. I love everything he's in, just not because it's like himself, because I think a lot of stuff is marketed as like, look, we have Nick Cage, but just because he is so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, I agree. He was he was perfect in this role. Absolutely. I really liked him in this and also <laughs> Willie's Wonderland, which is <laughs> off topic, but he doesn't speak in that movie. I don't know if you know that. He has no... Someone told me. I don't know if it was you, but someone... It was mentioned somewhere. I heard about that. And you know I love that movie, and I think yeah. he's great in it. But... Okay. Okay. Um. So I think but because of that time loop, I know you told me when we were talking about it, like, why did Lavinia want to leave and then just change her mind? Yeah, I was confused by that. Yeah. And I think it's because that's when she kind of falls under the control of the color. Like, she's falling into the same time loop that Nathan has because... She kind of loses it after Nathan gets shot. Yeah. And I think maybe then she picked up the color from okay. him. So she's in the same time loop that at the very least he was in. Oh. So I think in her perspective, it's kind of, it's less of a, I'm not going to leave because I've just changed my mind. I think it was more of a, I don't want to leave because my family's all alive and well right here. This is our farm. Why would I want to leave my family? Because even though she's kind of shown to be, this stereotypical almost rebellious teenager like she does kind of clearly care about her family you know she worries when her mom cuts her hand she worries when um like jack goes missing <clears throat> and she's really the one who tries to get everyone out yeah yeah and she realizes that shit's going down um and then you know the last time we see her her eyes are glowing purple and we know yeah. that means that she's under the color's influence and um so i think that leads into the whole I think what's the real confusing part of the climax is after she grabs Ward and he starts glowing purple for a second and it kind of goes away. Yeah. But this part of the movie, I don't know about what part was your favorite, but it was like my absolute favorite part. I've gone back and rewatched just this section because I think it was so well done. But where Ward is kind of sliding in between realities and trying to get away from the color, you know, they're doing the chase through the house. Um, okay yeah yeah because lovecraft is so just inherently unadaptable which is the point of the show but i thought it was cool that before you know we couldn't really see what the family was seeing nathan would say oh i'm seeing these echoes of my family or jack would be talking to something but we didn't see that as viewers we just kind of assumed they were losing it but then after ward starts getting pulled into this other world by the color and he's sliding in and out of these dimensions he's you know they have the um playback of the family eating dinner that we heard at the beginning of the movie and there's them talking to each other and he's seeing like the family sitting in the living room so you mm -hmm. can assume that that's what you know lavinia and nathan at least were experiencing um and i thought it was cool to have at the end there nathan chasing him down and shouting all those like speech memories at him and mm -hmm. It threw me off when he did the, like, are you looking at my legs? Legs, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. That sounds yeah. way different coming out of Nick Cage's Nicholas mouth. Nicholas Cage's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then it, it just rips it all away, and it leaves that blasted heath of white ash, and that's, yeah. like, it. And if I were Ward, I, I think I would have moved into, like, the ocean, or an abandoned <laughs> cave, or... I don't know. I would have gotten out of Dodge, but then he comes back at the end of the movie. He's standing on that he's, dam. He's still there. Yep. Um, and I'm guessing you caught it, but at the end, it shows that flash of the color in the sky. Yeah. Kind I of did. like it isn't a fully gone thing. 
No, um, of course not. Of course not. Yeah. But also, I think that could have been part of the setup for the sequels, which really hurts because during Lavinia's hole, when she grabs Ward, she shows these flashes of the colors like Homeland, for lack of a better, or like some sort of home dimension or some sort of other world. And it has that kind of traditional non-Euclidean Lovecraft architecture with the portal with the spikes kind of linking. Um, and I think that would have been a really cool setup for maybe Dunwich and the exploration of like Yogg-Sothoth or the existence of other dimensions that they could have done. Mm-hmm. And the director had to be a piece of dog water. So. <laughs> Thank you for that one. Yep. Yeah. Good Fuck job. that guy for so many reasons. But good job, man. So you're more of a movie person than I am. And you yes. said you had problems. So yeah. what did you, I want to know your feelings on the movie as a whole. Okay. Um, well, okay. So not knowing the the source material, like just I'm just taking this at the face value of the movie. Um, if someone were to go into this super blindly, like not knowing what to expect or they just watch a trailer or whatever – I think if you're into horror, I think I think you would be into this because it, there's some interesting stuff happening. It's a little bit of a slow burn, um, like story-wise, a little bit because it takes time for the color to kind of do its thing, because it, it crash lands on a meteor on a meteor on the the property. It's there for like a day, and then suddenly it's gone, and then next thing you know, it's like in the water supply, um. And it's infecting everybody that drinks the water, showers in it, uses it, or whatever. Um, so it's kind of a slow burn. It takes a little while for any kind of terrifying thing to happen. We just get like a lot of setup, but then we do get some, you know, payback. We do get we do get a payout on it. We you know then the crazy shit starts happening. We get the whole, you know, the the I think the first thing that's really kind of terrifying to me anyway was when the mom was chopping the carrots in the kitchen and then suddenly she just chops her fingers off yeah i told you i thought that was going to be a fake out scare and then they really <laughs> cut her fingers off yeah like, oh my god because i think that's the first like horror thing that happens um yeah. like explicit horror thing not just yeah like you know like oh like makes you go oh shit okay this is a horror movie now like we're in horror movie territory yeah um and then, um, and then you and I, we, we bonded, <laughs> we bonded over a jump scare because you told me, cause you watched this first mm-hmm. and you said there's a, there's a fucking jump scare, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. We'll just, just see if we both agree. And then when it happened for me, I said the cat and you were like the fucking cat. <laughs> so there's yeah. this cat in the middle of the road and like Nick Cage is driving back from the hospital with his wife. And then they're just conversation conversation cat (laughs) (laughs) yeah it scared the shit out of me it was like doing homework at the same time and i happened to look up for a second to hear their conversation and then it was like oh shit a cat (laughs) like he just jumped like literally just like jumped in the road and it was like oh okay yeah there we go um yeah and then it just goes from there and it's just downhill from there and then it's body horror um psychological horror you don't know what's going on and then it just gets it gets then it starts getting crazy and and then we get the stereotypical nick cage performance because if you're gonna hire nicholas cage in your movie you better have a scene where he freaks out 
And boy, oh boy, he starts off normal. He starts off calm, cool. Like you said, geeky dad, just a typical regular guy. Then he turns into Nick Cage and it, 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 it flips. It is suddenly he's, 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 he's a Nick Cage from like, you know, Port of Call New Orleans or, uh, the Wicker Man or whatever you might know the crazy Nicolas Cage from. You get that here like tenfold, I think. I think this is probably his craziest performance to date, honestly. And that's saying something. Yeah. I <laughs> thought he was wonderful in this movie, but about the, um, like time kind of like how fast everything moves but how slow the build is yeah. in the short story it's a it's a multi-month affair like uh-huh. the meteorite falls before harvest season and it takes a few days to completely dissipate so something i feel like they might not have expressed the greatest just based on what you said because also i went into this kind of knowing the plot so i'm realizing listening to you some of the stuff wasn't made the clearest in the movie mm-hmm. and i just went in with this preconceived idea of oh i know all this about like the meteorite but in the short story meteorite lands um they call out some researchers from miskatonic which this color out of space is actually the very first short story mention of miskatonic university in lovecraft's writing yeah um which is pretty cool because that obviously sets up for a ton of stuff including like herbert west reanimator but um so it's a multi-month thing and the color takes a few days to complete or color (laughs) the meteorite takes a few days to completely disappear but they have these researchers come out and they take these chunks and they bring them back to the lab and they realize that these chunks of this meteorite are shrinking and every day they go back to take more of these chunks of meteorite it gets smaller and smaller um before it just completely vanishes um but at one Hmm. point in the short story they do break open this like bubble on the meteorite and that's kind of implied to be where the color out of space or the entity that the color is kind of representing it's implied that that's where it was so there is a lot of kind of slow build in the short story but you can afford to do that since you're not watching the family you're watching their neighbor realize shit's going down so he starts with like well at first you know they got really sick you know they all had some weird illness and then all the crops started going bad and they looked beautiful, but they tasted bad. And then you get to the end of the harvest season and, you know, the family doesn't have a ton of money and they're all sick and no one knows what to do. And then people just stopped, slowly stopped hearing from them. And at the end, you know, it's kind of similar almost to the movie climax where they take a whole bunch of people, um, not just two, they take it's Ami and then a bunch of like police officers and they go out to go check on this family and it's just everything's going to shit and kind of like the end of end of the movie where everything's just so chaotic. Um, yeah. But they all get out of there alive. I know in the movie they do kill off the cop mm-hmm. uh, by having him, you know, snatched by that tree. Yeah. Or was it the tree itself or was it a monster in the tree? I couldn't really tell. I think okay. either both. <laughs> like, okay. I think in all of the above is appropriate for this movie. Okay, yeah, that's that's probably fair. But I I really liked it. I I am a little bit picky with my Lovecraft adaptations. I am happy they didn't go with green. I've told you that I am so tired of green. Oh yeah, yeah, using yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything Lovecraft because yep. it's such a it's a very like Cthulhu based idea of yeah. Ooh, spooky. Let's make it green. Green. It's, it's like, oh, God, the scariest color. But I, again, I really like magenta. I think I haven't watched it, but From Beyond, 
like the more mm. recent from beyond i think also uses magenta um mm. i saw a post in the lovecraft subreddit a while back that said it seems like the use of like pink is becoming the vogue for lovecraft oh, okay. Oh, okay. and as a big fan of the color <laughs> pink i am totally in support of that um and i think okay. it works well That's for cool. his writing because it's not it's not a color you see every day it's it's, it's kind of like a color out of space <laughs> oh, hey but i know clever very clever you. you should pay me for this um <laughs> <laughs> i know what a pipe dream i mean i want to know more of your thoughts if you have any yeah yeah um so okay uh i got like i said at the beginning overall i like the movie it was a yeah. good movie. It was well done. Everything was well done. It was well directed. It was well written. It was well acted. You know, everybody did a wonderful job with, you know, with everything. I didn't I didn't think there was a bad performance in the bunch. I think yeah, Ward might have been a little eh, but I was willing to put up with it. It wasn't terrible almost, by any I means. I almost think he was supposed to be a little because I think he, he's definitely supposed to be us, you know. He's supposed to be the viewer watching from the outside, going, "Holy shit!" Cause yeah. He's like, he has like I think the same thoughts that I did, where I was like, "Oh my god, Lavinia's kind of hot." Yeah. And then, oh, they this family is getting fucked up. This <laughs> weird. Yeah. Sounds oh. weird. And then he has this whole like where he goes around and says like, "Oh, the well water is bad." The, uh huh. In the short story, the well water is like such a thing, like the well is the center of it all oh, okay and i don't think they really did that as much in the movie i got a i got a sense of it yeah there's like, like a little bit because the the little boy jack he keeps staring at the well like it's for freaky. like the middle of the movie he kept just staring at it saying he was talking to his friend that was inside the well mm -hmm. um and then anytime they showed any kind of like establishing shots of the farm with all the flowers and the trees and stuff the well was like dead center yeah. Um, and then towards the end there, when uh, Benny is like kind of they're trying to escape, then he like freaks out and he climbs into the well because he thinks the dog fell down in there. Yeah. And, and it's like, even if your dog did fall down there, man, come on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, here's the thing. I like I do. I love dogs. I know you do, too. But I mean, I love dogs and I don't know, like, what I would do in that situation. Like a part of me wants to be like. Okay, just leave him. He's probably gone. Let's save ourselves. But then the other half of me is like, but he's he's my buddy. He's my pal. I need to go save my buddy. Like I need, you know, you know. I think I would... the thing is too. The brother kept saying like, like Benny kept saying like, oh, I can see him down there. But then when it showed down the well, there was there's, nothing. There's nothing down there, you know. Yeah. No, um, it was it was the color messing with his mind. Um, yeah, and I think maybe that does imply. Maybe the dog didn't end up in the well, and he's seeing this past image of the dog in the well. Mm, um, that could be because in the short story, actually, it kind of it doesn't end with everything getting ripped to the sky. It ends with everything getting ripped into the well. Oh, okay, okay. Um, which yeah, is part that, of the, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I thought it was an interesting departure from that ending, but I didn't hate okay. it. Okay. Um, and then um, and then it's really just the last like. 10 minutes of it, it's a little confusing mm -hmm. and again from the point of view of someone who's not read the story like i'm going into this has a guy who just watches movies i watch horror movies um but at the same time i also watch like weird david lynch films so you know it's like <laughs> i was a little i was a little bit at home here with the weird ending um 
But because it, it was just like suddenly, you know, okay, Nicolas Cage's, you know, character Nathan, he flips out. His wife is now this mangled flesh that lives in the <laughs> attic. He's trying to feed the daughter to the mangled flesh in the attic. Uh, mangled flesh in the attic sounds like a Lovecraft story on into its own. I'm surprised it's not. Um, I could write that and say it's a Lovecraft story. Anyway, it could uh, be part of the Lovecraftian <laughs> mythos. That is a thing. Yes, exactly. The mangled flesh in the attic. Um, uh, and then like once like Ward and the cop like show up at the house, that's when everything just goes batshit insane. Yeah. When like you know Lavinia like suddenly when when the cop shoots you know Nathan in the back. And he die. Well, I'll say he dies. And then, um, spoilers. We should. I think we said spoilers, right? Um, I'm assuming if anyone's listening to this and has gotten this far, I don't think they're going to be that hurt by the spoilers now. Fair, fair. Um, so yeah. So Nathan gets shot, and then this is when Lavinia flips, where she was suddenly like the whole movie. She's like, we gotta get this farm, and she's she's trying to get off this farm any way she can. There's even a horse. She's going to try to ride the horse that was introduced at the beginning of the movie uh, away out of the farm, and then the horse just goes fucking nuts and just runs. Uh, so now they're stuck in this farm, and then once Nathan gets shot, she's suddenly like, I don't want to go. Why are you trying to take me, Ward? You're, you're taking away from my family. I don't want to be away from my family. And the Ward's like, we got to get out of here. And she's like, no, my family. I really love it. And then her eyes turn into the, the color. Yeah. Uh, and then that's when – so I got like, okay, she's being now – influenced by the color but it was just such like a switch it was just such a sudden like it was pretty fast I the agree. instant he died the instant the second he was he didn't even fall to the porch yet she was like <laughs> no daddy i don't want to leave now and it's like whoa what the fuck happened <laughs> yeah it was kind of i i was like really i knew she wasn't going to realistically because i know lovecraft and so much lovecraft is just like cosmicism like nothing matters like you cannot survive you can't escape in the long term you may have yep. your short reprieves but you can't ever escape time in the universe so i knew yeah. like she's not gonna get off like they're not gonna let her get out of this farm yeah but i no. was still so hopeful a little bit i was like yeah because she, like, she I, was I a felt, cool character she was a cool character she was and i felt like my mom because every time she watches a movie she's like oh i hope that they go live a happy little life and stuff so was, a part of me was like <laughs> <laughs> my mom where i'm like man i hope that her and ward get off and then they can go you know be together yeah hide in the ocean or a cave or someplace yeah. far away from here yeah no i was rooting for them too but yeah you're right ultimately the horror movie nerd in me was like they, they're not gonna have a happy ending. yeah there's, there's no way i i really like the confusion because i'm a lovecraft fan and normally my complaint about adaptations is that they make too much sense uh um, like i because the whole thing in lovecraft is sometimes <clears> you're reading it and you're like the hell but that's the point because it's supposed to be this kind of thing that's so incomprehensible that you can't even you know cthulhu is so incomprehensible that people just kind of approximate to eh, a squiddish thing so <laughs> yeah and color out of space in particular is one where there's such a focus on kind of like this we don't even know what to call this like in the short story they say like i can call it a color only by approximation because it's not it's just a eh. yeah it's um, just it's just a thing that doesn't exist so i don't know how to explain it yeah like it's not of this world to the extent of we don't have anything to explain it yeah um but i really like that really confusing ending where you're you kind of feel like you're losing it too like it's like oh yeah. i would i would have probably lost my shit too if i was this family going through this 
Yeah, um, no, 100%. But I really liked it. I always say, like, my favorite Lovecraft adaptations are the ones that make you feel like those pictures that demonstrate what it's like to be a stroke or to have a stroke where you can't fully make out what the <laughs> items are, but you can kind of. Okay. And that felt, that reminded me of that, where you're just kind of overwhelmed by all these things that are happening all at once. Okay. Uh, and then the last thing I got to say about the movie is um, it it was uh, the the cast. Like, you got Nicolas Cage and then you got Tommy Chong in it. And those are two very interesting casting choices for the characters they played. Um, and you telling me that the character Ezra, you know, doesn't exist in the story and he's like a combination of like a couple of characters in the story is very interesting because his character in the movie, they play him off. They play him off almost has just like this guy that just lives on their land. Um, and they act like he's this like, you know, hermit that like nobody can talk to or that nobody can reason with. And then the instant ward and Benny go to his house. He's like, hey, man, come on in, man. Here's my cat G-Spot. Good luck finding the G-Spot, man. <laughs> like, And he's like the most chillest, nicest yeah. guy on the face of the planet. <laughs> and then G-Spot jump scares you. Like, a few <laughs> yes. Much like most men. Um, and let's say, Jason, are you frequently jump scared by the G-Spot? All the time. All um. the time. <laughs> But um, but anyway, yeah. So th- 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 yeah, those are my those are my thoughts. I thought it was a very good movie. Uh, it has a horror movie, it has a stand. Um, not. I think you could go into this not knowing the the story. Yeah, for um, sure. And you'd be fine. Just take everything at face value. Just everything that happens. It's just terrifying. Uh, you you get a lot of alpa- alpaca jokes, which is fun. Um, one of my favorite lines, and I, I was, I was desperately trying to see where I wrote it. I wrote it somewhere, but it was something about there's something wrong with the alpacas, and that is like the most <laughs> beautiful line I've ever heard in a horror movie to date. Like, like you never hear that ever. So just the fact that you get to hear Nicolas Cage too say that, like, and there sure is as fuck beautiful. is something wrong with the alpacas. <laughs> Indeed, they're a nasty mess of organs. <laughs> So yeah, as a movie in itself, I think it's great. I highly recommend it, especially if you love horror movies, and if you're a Nick Cage fan, I think you need to check this out. This is definitely top five Nick Cage performance, at one hundred percent. And as a Lovecraft fan, uh, and as a picky Lovecraft fan, especially, I can say that this adaptation was great because it's not—it's maybe not the exact adaptation that I know a lot of Lovecraft fans look for, where they want this almost purist interpretation, like people being mad at Reanimator for not being in the 1920s you know but i think for what it is it's like other than defarba i think that this had to be probably my favorite color out of space adaptation if not Mm. a little bit more than defarba okay i don't even i'm guessing you yeah it's a german (laughs) black and white color out of space (laughs) adaptation so i figured they have a movie about the color out of space and it's black and white. How the hell does that work? It works better than you think. I'll watch it with you and I'll translate. Oh, God. Okay, <laughs> sure. I'm down. I am down to watch a black and white color out in space. Absolutely. Out in space? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm... No, me and you, we're going to watch it in space. That's what I'm implying. Oh, okay. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we're going to get there. Hey, I have my ways. But not pay your podcasters? Yeah, exactly. I have oh. I have I have influence, not money. All right. 
listeners, please get us a union. <laughs> we beg of you. <laughs> He's working or, us to the bone. Or you wanted to segue to this. So you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash rabbit hole pods. For as low well as $3 a month, you get early access to episodes and all kinds of great bonus content. I'm a Patreon over there. Uh, I don't listen to Jason's shows, though. I do it just to support the other podcasters <laughs> that Jason won't pay. Please get us a union. I love that I host probably the most shows, but you won't listen to mine. You listen to the other, like, three. <laughs> yep. Please pay us. If you would like to help support him pay us, go to patreon.com slash rabbit hole pods. We also are sponsored by Audible. If you go to audibletrial.com slash rabbit hole pod, you get to try it free for 30 days. You can download any audiobook show podcast whatever they have on there and then after 30 days you pay 14.99 a month and you can access thousands and thousands of audiobook shows or podcasts you can cancel anytime and if you do you keep to keep anything you've downloaded so it's literally risk-free go download i don't know for example the hp lovecraft complete collection which is narrated by andrew lehman and he is kind of famous among lovecraft fans for making really good lovecraft adaptations <laughs> all that being said Whispering Geons is hosted by me, Bear. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at O-E-U-R-G-H or over on Instagram at Carnivoran. Jason, would you like to share your socials with the room? Yes, I absolutely will. You can find me on Twitter at FamousComedian. You can follow Rabbit Hole Podcasts on Twitter over at uh, RabbitHP. Uh, we do have a Facebook group. Uh, if you're into Facebook, you're over the age of 40 like I am. Uh, you can go to Facebook.com slash groups slash rabbit hole pods. Uh, you can go check that out. And, of course, probably the best place to listen to any podcast that we do is at rabbitholepodcast.com. Especially this show right here will be found on rabbitholepodcast.com. Yeah, so if you're into really unfunny people, make sure to go follow him on Twitter. This show is edited and produced by Jason Soto, so I hope he doesn't fire me. And it is just one of many Rabbit Hole Podcast shows. Find episodes of this show over at Rabbit Hole Podcast, like Jason said. Anchor, Apple Pods, Google Pods, wherever on earth we upload it, and wherever you may find your podcast. Copyright 2022 Rabbit Hole Podcasts, rabbitholepodcasts.com.